Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of A Trophy Life, the official podcast of the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta. I'm your host, Bob Rathbun, and coming up this week, my guest is John Fanta from Fox Sports and the Field of 68 podcast. On this eve of the NBA draft, John and I will discuss the college players that we watched last season as we tracked our Jersey Mike's Naismith Men's Player of the Year Award candidates and with college rosters coming into focus, a look ahead at the 23-24 season. All that coming up in just a moment, but we begin with our Jersey Mike's news and notes. Bob Huggins resigning as the men's basketball coach at West Virginia. This in the wake of his arrest last week for allegedly driving under the influence. The resignation of the 69-year-old Huggins could mark the end of the Hall of Fame career for one of the sport's most successful coaches. Huggy won 935 games and coached in 26 NCAA tournaments and two Final Fours. In 16 seasons at West Virginia, he won 345 games. And in the ongoing saga of conference realignment, the Mountain West sent an additional letter to San Diego State last week informing the school that, quote, at this time, the conference will not approve any exceptions the school had requested last week when it gave notice that it intends to resign from the conference. This is coming from ESPN's Pete Thamel. San Diego State had requested a one-month extension, but as of now, there does not appear to be an invitation to San Diego State from any Power 5 conference, although the Aztecs have been linked to the Pac-12 and the school has been a part of the Big 12's realignment exploration. San Diego State is attempting to explore all options if the Pac-12 does not get a TV deal done by June the 30th. More on that in the coming weeks. My conversation with John Fanta when we continue after this from Jersey Mike's. There's nothing like holding a freshly grilled Jersey Mike's cheesesteak. It's even better than holding a winning million-dollar lottery ticket. For starters, Uncle Sam takes half. Then you buy some useless stuff, like a tiny suit of armor for your cat. And before you know it, your sister's cousins and Uncle Frankie come knocking on your door for handouts. Bing, bang, boom, you're back to zero. So if you want to play a winning number, order a number 17 Mike's Famous Philly. Freshly grilled right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Naismith Podcast, John Fanta of Fox Sports, who not only is one of the leading voices, of course, that you hear on college basketball, but also is joining our board to be on our board of selectors to get ready for the 23-24 season, identifying the top college players, and we are thrilled to welcome John to the podcast. Mr. Fanta, how are you, sir? Bob, it is great to be with you. I'm doing well. I'm doing even better talking with you, and, and thank you for that very kind introduction. Uh, it's great to be on the show, and know how much respect I have for for the board and for everybody involved in in the efforts because as you are we love basketball we love college basketball we love pro basketball we love all forms and types of basketball and I think it's only fitting to talk with you during NBA draft week which as you know at the core of it is such a special evening such a special day because the dream that kids grew up envisioning a select number will get a chance to fulfill that dream on the stage in New York City on Thursday night. And I always think that that's pretty cool. You could not have said it any better. And it is something that as we talk to college players all during the season for the podcast and, of course, our duties with the Naismith, 
that is the one thing I think, John, that shines through is that how much these players care about the next level, trying to get there, trying to do everything in their power to put themselves in a position for that draft night and hear their name called. They have been living this since they were old enough to dribble a basketball, and that night has come. I was just wondering, John, your take on what may transpire on Thursday night, because once again, we not only have college players in the mix, but we also have international players. The international player will go number one. We also have guys that opted not to play college basketball and come up through the G League, etc. So what is your overall take on what you see that might transpire on Thursday night as it relates to the college basketball scene? Well, as it relates to the college basketball scene, I, I think it's interesting because Brandon Miller was the best college prospect in the sport this past year and he will go number two or or number three in the draft i don't think he'll fall beyond that so that holds to be true here heading into the draft it's not like pre-draft process shook things up with brandon miller and and with what he could do at six foot nine to shoot over 38 percent from three and and bear in mind this that that alabama for an Alabama basketball player to be the best college prospect heading in the NBA draft. That, that's startling. I mean, that that's, and it's great for their program. And it really is some kind of a story to, to see that. I think as this draft goes along, there's a couple of things as it applies to college basketball that are interesting to me. Uh, how about Cam Whitmore of Villanova? It's the first time Villanova has had a one-and-done player heading in the NBA draft since Tim Thomas in 1997. How about the interesting discrepancy between shot makers in this class? Where will Grady Dick, the Kansas one-and-done star, where will he end up on the board? Where will Jordan Hawkins, the national champion out of UConn, who will go first between those two? Michigan's got a couple of big-time prospects in Kobe Bufkin and Jed Howard. And then there's the dynamic of, okay, I made Hawkes, Bob. All he did was win at UCLA. How much do these teams value winning as opposed to just upside and athleticism and the potential to be a, a, a big-time athlete in the NBA versus well, the, the track record's proven, and Jaime Hawkes went to multiple Sweet 16s in a Final Four while he was at UCLA. That's what I'm always looking at with these drafts is how much does winning at the college level get valued versus upside? And that's something that teams battle, but I also think that successful NBA teams who know how to win, when they get winning college players, look at Christian Brown out of Kansas and look what he meant to the Denver Nuggets. Look at Keegan Murray in one year with the Sacramento Kings. And, and Chris, his brother, is another guy who I think is floating around anywhere between 17 or 18 or and 24 or 25 in this draft class. How does the back half of the first round go when these front offices are judging exactly what they want? And I hope, and I think the track record's proven, that you can go after some guys who wanted a high level in college because winning, winning is something that can't even be fully quantified for what a player could bring to an organization. Winning plays matter. I couldn't agree with you more. And I'm always intrigued about 
some of the stars of college basketball that are not held in particularly high regard by the pros when it comes to draft night. And, of course, I'm thinking primarily of Oscar Shibwe. John, if there is one characteristic of college basketball players that transfers to the pros immediately is the ability to rebound the basketball. And nobody has been better at that than Sheboy the last couple of years. And I think he might be a guy that, whether he goes in the first round or not, is debatable, but certainly might be chosen in that second round to just what you're speaking about, the heart of a champion, a lion on the glass, a great spirit, wonderful personality, and what he brings to a franchise. He might be a guy to look out for on Thursday night. Yeah, he could be a guy to, to look out for and, and somebody that obviously has been at the top of the country in in rebounding and the top of the country when it comes to racking up hardware. Uh, a guy that came back to school and, and continued to show just how how amazing he is at rebounding the basketball. I mean, to average 17 and 14 in two years of college and to bring home loads of individual hardware. It was amazing what Oscar Sheepway did. His combination of tenacity and aggressiveness was really, really special. And he did it at such a high level. And Bob, I personally don't think he goes in the first round. But in a second round that now, now has been diluted a bit because of the amount of college returning players with the current climate of name, image, and likeness, with the transfer portal, with the flexibility that coming back to college and the options that coming back to college can give a player like a Zach Eady, like some of the others that we saw say, you know what, I'm going to stay in college, and I, I think that's that in my heart is what I want to do. Uh, that. That ends up leading to the second round becoming even more mysterious. Oscar Sheboy is not a mystery of what he can bring. Those rebounds can absolutely translate to the next level. There will be, of course, trades and movement, and all of this has a great chance of changing in the 48 hours between the time we record our conversation today and what, what happens on Thursday night. Be that as it may, John, I wanted to ask you, now that the dust has settled, we know the draft-eligible players. They're not coming back to school. We know who has gone back to school. We know of all the transfers that have taken place to date. If you could, for our audience, you know, where does this leave us uh, going into next season? Who are the teams that have, have benefited, have been hurt, the teams that we should have on our early radar to look for next season? Yeah, great question. Great question. And, and there's a couple that really do stand out to me. Uh, I thought that Virginia getting Reese Beekman back was excellent news for the Cavaliers, ACC Defensive Player of the Year this past year. I look at Creighton and to get Ryan Kaltbrenner and Trey Alexander back. I like Trey Alexander quite a bit, a six foot four guard who shot 41% from three this past year is a really difficult shot maker. I think Greg McDermott's club will once again be very strong. How about Illinois? Illinois, Terrence Shannon Jr., Bob, anytime you bring back a guard who averaged over 17 points per game in the Big Ten, that's a really good thing. Terrence Shannon Jr. will keep Illinois in a a good place. They get Coleman Hawkins back as well. 
that's two great returning players for the Illini. And then at the top of the country, I look at the fact that if, if he stayed, uh, if he rather went to the NBA draft, Kyle Filipowski would have been a top 20 pick. He would have been, in my opinion. By him coming back, by Tyrese Proctor coming back, by Mark Mitchell coming back, the Duke Blue Devils are set up. They're set up great success this upcoming year. You're going to have sophomores that have much more experience than your active, than your everyday sophomores. And you're going to have another loaded recruiting class that John Shire brings in. So I think Duke uh, a big winner. I think Michigan State was expected to be, but they still are a big winner worth bringing up. I love the Spartans. And to be able to bring back Lee Call and Jaden Nakins and Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogarth, Tom Izzo has perimeter well in play. He's, his team's always going to defend, and he brings in a top-10 recruiting class. But to have those returnees is huge. And, of course, for Zach Eady to come back, it's great for college basketball. It's something that you love to see because his presence, his seven-foot-four frame, bring back a guy that averaged 22 and 13 last year. You just sit there and say, what's next? What can we expect next from Zach Eady? Because he is special to watch, and I think everybody's excited to see what's next in store for the Superman of a big man out in West Lafayette. And what an embarrassment of riches at Kansas. I mean, they get Kevin McCuller back, who is, you know, got great chance of being our Naismith Defensive Player of the Year next year. And, oh, by the way, here comes Hunter Dickinson and his 18.5 points a game. The rich get richer in Lawrence, Kansas, John. They do. They do get richer. And the addition of Nicholas Timberlake is a really good addition. He was a very good player at Towson. Big-time shot maker, kind of an old-school player with his swagger, plays with a rich amount of intensity, and the Dayhawks could be the preseason number one in the country. I mean, as you just said, to bring back Kevin McCullough, he's a Swiss Army knife, and Bob, anytime you can return your point guard, it means you're going to have somebody to steady the ship, and Dewan Harris does that. When Dewan Harris scores even a little bit, I mean, that's, that's really good news for Kansas. Their record was crazy good last year when he contributed offensively. Hey, how about this? How about this storyline uh, away from the Jayhawks, who I love. I think that Kansas with K.J. Adams back as well will be very, very good. Florida Atlantic, Bob Rathlin, did not lose anybody. They lost Mark Michael Forrest, who was out of eligibility. The fact that Dusty May brings back basically his whole team after making a Final Four that, to me, is great for college basketball. I absolutely love the story. And I, I think that they're, they're a team that should be in the preseason top ten. And who would have ever thought that about Florida Atlantic this time a year ago? <laughs> right. And, of course, they step up in competition, too. Uh, so it'll be an even better test for them this year. It will be. It will be with, with them uh, making their conference move. I think that it's going to be interesting to see how they handle all of that in the American, uh, moving to the American Athletic Conference from Conference USA. And, and I think I expect them to, to hang right in. I think they've got a team of, of as they called themselves, uh, Rottweilers last, last March. They <laughs> talked about being tough, and, and they played with toughness. They played with a rich amount of toughness. But, yeah, they'll, they'll level up here to the American Athletic Conference. We'll see what happens with Houston leaving the American and what kind of a door that 
that opens up for Penny Hardaway in Memphis if, if it does. But, hey, he, everybody's got to be looking up at Florida Atlantic now. They will not surprise anybody this year, Bob. They will be the hunted. They will absolutely be the hunted. Well, John, this has been fantastic. We thank you so much for your insights and your knowledge, and we welcome you again to our Naismith family. And we're going to have to call on you during the season and get an update mid-year and see what you're seeing out there and relate it to all of our fans. Thank you so much, John. Appreciate you. Anytime, Bob. Happy to come on anytime. Thank you for having me. Thank you, John. And reminder, friends, to please subscribe and rate and review our podcast. We are here 52 weeks a year talking men's and women's college basketball, and we would be thrilled to have you along for the ride. Until next week, from all of us at the Naismith Awards here in Atlanta, Bob Rathbun saying so long.